This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and now it is time for the Jack Riccardi Show. Well, hey, Christian, good afternoon. I always say February is our craziest weather month. It really is. It's the shortest month of the year, but it's the longest month for weather in San Antonio, and it's getting an early start. We're, we're, we're off to an early start with with uh, a little bit of craziness for the next couple of days, although if I'm hearing you and if I'm hearing AccuWeather right, uh, most of the wintry mix is staying out of the, the metro, right? Yeah, that's what it looks like, and, and pretty much everywhere north, northwest, northeast, yeah. all the way up to yeah. Austin, we're just kind of, now me living in Kerrville, not so lucky, yeah. but San Antonio mm-hmm. should be yeah. a Okay with this. We're going to keep an eye on it, and uh, we'll talk to you more about that and listen to the news coming up here. We'll also uh, catch up on the picks over the weekend for the playoffs. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Super Bowl in two weeks. We'll talk about that. Um, so over the weekend, and I hope you had a good one, um, I think we all wanted to see what would happen in Memphis and in other cities around the country. Unfortunately, it was not as bad uh, as had been anticipated or feared. I'm glad for that. I don't want to skate over that. But there's no getting around the surreal conversation that has followed the beating death of Tyree Nichols. I I, I mean, all of the officers involved are being charged with second-degree murder. All of them are African-American, as is the victim. The brutality of the force, the excessive force, is impossible to deny. I mean, I have to tell you that whenever we talk about these cases, uh, I always hear more than one side of it. There's always there's always dissenters. I have not heard anybody. I've not had an email. I've not had a caller. I've not had anybody try to say, yeah, but. Um, it, it, it is a horrific beatdown. And so you would think we have finally reached a moment in which we can stand shoulder to shoulder, bonded by our common humanity, right? No. You would think that the race baiters, the people for whom it's an industry, dividing us, using tragedies, would say, well, we're going to have to move on to something else. We're going to have to find another case, but no. They've grabbed on to Tyree Nichols' death, and they are not letting go. A guy named Tim Wise, who's an anti-racism educator, quote, anyone who says the killing of Tyree Nichols isn't about racism because the cops were also black doesn't understand how white supremacy or anti-blackness works. Van Jones on CNN, the killing may still have been driven by racism. Congressman Maxwell Frost of Florida tweeted, doesn't matter what color those officers are. The murder of Tyree Nichols is anti-black and the result of white supremacy. What are they talking about? 
What are they talking about? You can't even pretend anymore that you just care about the victim or you just care about justice because the wheels of justice are turning. This isn't them trying to wake us up to something we're in denial about. This is their stubborn, demented unwillingness to admit that this case does not make their case. Five black men killing a black man is not an act of white supremacy. In order to make that argument, I guess you'd have to say that black people have no agency, that they have been programmed by us. And that's the most racist thing I've ever heard of. I mean, if you were going around saying that, everyone would be calling you a racist. And as we talked about last week, if you're using this to call for, as many are, more defunding of the police, clearly what this story is about is, and if you read the details of the officers charged, a couple of them were in prior law enforcement agencies and did things that should have disqualified them from service on a major metropolitan police department like Memphis, but they were hired. We read that the city of Memphis, after defund the police in 2020, lowered its standards for hiring, lowered the bar for applicants, hired people that it would not have considered in, in the past. We need more police and we need better trained police. We don't need defund the police. Memphis lowers its standards and maybe that's why it got what it got. The people leaving policing that I see are the best people. They're fed up, but they're also experienced and savvy and street smart. They're leaving because they don't want to be screwed with by politically correct correct uh, seniors or superiors or politicians, but they're not the people you and I would say are the problem. They wouldn't be found at a scene like this with Tyree Nichols. And then I heard somebody say, and I, you know, you, you could write this stuff. You don't even need to wait for it. You could anticipate all of these things. Somebody said, well, we'd be having a very different conversation right now if that was a white person or if the police officers were white and the victim was black. Okay. We talked about a case on this show six and a half years ago. Six and a half years ago. Before COVID, before BLM, before defund the police. He was a guy in Dallas named Tony Timpa. And he, uh, he was a businessman. And he called 911 because he was having a medical episode and he had not taken his prescription medication for his mental illnesses. And he was, he felt himself losing control. He called 911. When police arrived, he was already in handcuffs because a security guard had already restrained him. The police pinned him, and he cried out for help, and then he passed out. And he was left lying on his face in the grass for 15 minutes while his legs were zip-tied, 
and one officer was kneeling on his back. And the paramedics and the police officers joke, he didn't just die, did he? And he did die within 20 minutes of the police officers arriving. We have the footage that tells this story and that contradicts the story of the officers involved. The officers were charged a few years later. You're saying right now, Jack, I, I've never heard of this. Well, if you listen to our show six and a half years ago, you might remember us talking about it. But otherwise, no, you probably haven't heard of it. The officers were charged. Then the charges were dropped. And they went back to active duty. And then there was a civil lawsuit against the officers. And that was dropped or dismissed, I guess, by the judge. And the last I heard about it, which I think was last year, the family of Tony Tempo was still fighting to bring some kind of wrongful death lawsuit. Tony Tempa is George Floyd, only white. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that we, we, don't, we don't care or we don't talk about it or it's only when... This year of 2023 has already shown the goodness of most Americans, the racial blindness of most Americans. And the events of Tyree Nichols show that. It's time to call out the people that are trying, and still today, January 30th, trying to make this about race. We'll talk about that. 210-599-5555. A uh, newspaper editor at the San Diego Union-Tribune named Chris Reed, writing a piece that ran over the weekend. I am going to drive the same vehicle I am driving now in 2040, and I won't be alone. He says, I am not giving it up for an electric car unless EVs plunge in cost, and I'm not the only one. Many Californians will use their durable fossil fuel cars as long as possible. He says... Hard data from recent history undercuts the hype that EVs will soon cost less than gasoline cars, as was predicted in recent years. And tidy assumptions about EVs costing much less to operate are undercut by the heavy cost of replacing electric batteries. The durability of internal combustion vehicles is why NPR reported in 2019 that some automotive engineers believe that even if 100% of vehicles sold were electric starting today, it might take 20 to 25 years to replace the entire vehicle fleet. That means gas stations will be around for decades to come unless progressive politicians target them and force less affluent households to keep paying ever more of their disposable income on climate mandates. This is kind of like the the stove thing when they were talking about the stove. It was rich people coming after what works for the rest of us, what's affordable, what's practical for the rest of us. So I'm not arguing against electric cars. I'm not against electric cars. I'm against electric car mandates. I'm against politicians making product decisions for Detroit. I don't have a problem with you choosing an electric car. But I'm curious, do you feel like, yeah, I want to embrace this. I'm, you know, when the time comes, maybe, maybe you're not ready to replace the vehicle you have, but when you're ready to replace it, are you thinking, yeah, I want to, I want to look into this electric thing. I've got my eye on one or, 
Or are you like Chris Reed? I'm going to keep driving gasoline-powered cars as long as I can get them, as long as there's fuel to put in them. Where are you on that? And that's our question on today's JR poll. Are you a, um embracer <laughs> or are you a holdout? Uh, 210-599-5555. We are going to talk about it on the air. You, you can, if you want to just register a vote on the JR poll, go to ktsa.com. You'll find it there. This is um, something I've never heard of before. Um, Democrats want to give federal workers an, a 9% uh, pay increase. I've heard of that before. But, but listen to this. Democrats are proposing a 9% pay increase. It's 8.7% um, for federal workers that would take effect next year. And it's on top of the 4.5% raise they received this year from President Biden. And listen to the reason why, according to Congressman Jerry Connolly of Virginia and Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii, both Democrats, the pay increase is for being subjected to Donald Trump. Federal workers were subjected to Donald Trump, risking their health and safety, working under the Trump administration's cruel personal attacks, unsafe work environments, pay freezes, government shutdowns, sequestration cuts, furloughs, and mindless across-the-board hiring freezes, says the press release. Still, our federal workforce served with dedication and distinction. So they need a 9% pay hike, like, almost like a, um, you know, battle pay because Trump was president. That's the rationale. What do we get because Biden's president? Where's my pay hike for, for living, being subjected to the Biden presidency? I don't even know if I can do the math yet. It may take a while. But I mean, I mean, that's, that's ballsy. We want, well, I, and I, I guess since, let's see, DeSantis is worse than Trump and Hitler. If he becomes president, we will have to have another federal pay increase because federal employees will be subjected to DeSantis. See how this, this will never end. I don't know if we can afford to replace Biden. Because the people we would want as president are going to cost us too much. So, uh, you know, if you want better policing, um, it, it turns out that we've made a decision in city after city around the country in the last several years to lower standards, to recruit people who would have been turned away. The Pointer Institute, which studies this, says that two of the five police officers charged in Tyree Nichols' death were hired in that window when Memphis had lowered its standards. Now, we can't say we know that's why they acted the way they did. But if you are losing older, more experienced police officers, and you are picking up people who you wouldn't have even looked at five or ten years ago, and then they are doing things people can't believe, mightn't there be a connection there? And defund the police doesn't get us to better policing or better training. I would fix this by going back to tough standards and not recruit people that we shouldn't be recruiting. You should not be hiring people in a major city police department who screwed up at a lower level 
Uh, one of these guys had beat up inmates at a prison. You have to figure out how to retain the good, decent men and women that are now leaving before you lose any more of them. Because experience is a valuable commodity in any kind of work, including police work. And if I was the mayor of a city, I would make it known that we are not entertaining, debating, toying with, defunding the police. The people that work for you in that kind of job need to know they have a future. And if they do the job right, they will be rewarded for doing the job right. And, of course, you've got to get the sickening people. You've got to get the, the, the you know, the dirt bags. You've got to get them out of there. But... I, I think the biggest thing we could do is stop this fatal flirtation with defund the police. And the only reason more people don't say what I'm saying or speak up this way is because they're afraid of the people that are calling for defund the police. Politicians are, are literally physically afraid. 210-599-5555. All right. Um, will, will you embrace electric or keep gas-powered vehicles in your driveway as long as you can? San Diego newspaper editor says, I'm going to drive the same vehicle I'm driving now in the year 2040 because I uh, like it. It works. By the way, his car is a 2006 Lexus RX 400H hybrid SUV. Uh, He says, I've got 224,000 miles on it. I may have 500,000 by then, but getting a new engine or two in the interim won't cost as much as just the down payment on an electric vehicle. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. Joshua's on KTSA. Hi, Joshua. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Um, on the car situation, I'm practically, I'm probably going to stick gas or at most hybrid. I don't really like the electric vehicles. But if I could just for one quick moment say all of this environmental stuff, if they knew the impact that it takes to make a battery on the environment versus why not just get the hydrogen cars up and going, I think, you know, if they really cared about the environment, they'd be focusing mm-hmm. on hydrogen cars more than the electric vehicles. Now, when you say so you I would drive a hybrid, vehicle. yeah, when you say you would drive a yeah. hybrid, I, I think of hybrids as still basically gasoline cars. I mean, they they can generate a little electricity, but you have to put gas in them, right? Yes, sir. So, what is the but, advantage? I mean, they do having... help with gas mileage and stuff. So, so you would, you would, so you would like the higher gas mileage of a hybrid? Is that it? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah. I would prefer Joshua, a hydrogen car. <laughs> or if, if if that becomes available, all right. Or, or hydrogen. Uh, Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. That's our poll question. Uh, as I mentioned, we've been talking about the Tyree Nichols uh, story as well. Suzanne on KTSA. Hi, Suzanne. Hey, how are you? Good. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. Just getting ready to uh, tackle the traffic here. But I had a comment in regards to the defunding the police. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have we have teachers that screw up all the time. You know, they're not the best teachers. Are we defunding education? You know, I mean, definitely not. They have, to have the support. They they have to have the support. And if they're talking about defunding, who's going to go into that that career field? I mean, there's nobody. You know, you have bad apples in every field, every part of life. There's going to be bad apples, and unfortunately, of course, the media, you know, capitalizes on that. And and you know what happened was horrible, and it was unfortunate. And 
you know, I mean, there's a lot of opinions out there, but defunding, you know, that's ridiculous because when it comes down to it, it's a love-hate relationship with the police officers. We love them when we need them, and we hate them when it's time to receive any sort of consequence for our own bad behavior. You know, then we want to defund them and do this and that, and, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. So it, it's just, you know, are you going to defund every area of life where something goes wrong? I mean, it, it's it's going to happen either way. You don't defund education because you have teachers getting involved yeah. with students or, right. you know, doing anything like that. So that's a know, good point. People need to be logical and realistic about it. If you have bad apples with everything, you know, and you, you can't. People will not, I mean, it's hard right now to keep teachers because we don't have the support that we need, you know, with a lot of the students. And you're well, I'll tell you what I think, incident. yeah, I'll tell you what I think would happen, though. I don't think you'd have no police officers. If you defund and you are paying those positions less, what you will eventually have are you, you will get people that are willing to take the lower pay or benefits for the privilege or the perk of wearing the badge. Those aren't the people we want. Those are the people who are most likely to wind up on a video that's gone viral around the world. If you're not careful, you will have law enforcement agencies full of people who are the worst people to have that position or power. And we know there's people like that. You've met people like that, right? Remember during the pandemic, there were people that got a little bit of power they got a little bit of authority. They they had a clipboard or they had a sign, you know, a, a badge or something, and they were telling you what you could or could not do. And it was only during the pandemic, and they were l- loving that power and savoring that authority, and they were barking out orders at you about how to line up or whether or not you could come into a business. There are people like that. Do you want them as police officers? Because in a few years, you'll have them. The rate we're going. You see it in Memphis. 210-599-5555. We're talking about, um, in the aftermath of Tyree Nichols' uh, beating death and what is being said about it, it, it is almost like the state of denial, right? Like, we, we're going to go ahead and use this story the way we had planned to, even though the facts of it don't bear out the the usual arguments about BLM and defunding the police and white supremacy. Uh, BLM put out a statement saying all police represent the interest of capitalism and impel state-sanctioned violence. Anyone who works within a system that perpetuates state-sanctioned violence is complicit in upholding white supremacy. State-sanctioned vi- violence is an interesting um, term because... There are people who would say that the IRS is state-sanctioned violence. There are people who would say a corrupt FBI is state-sanctioned violence. If the government can make me, as a small business owner, do something I don't want to do or that goes against my values, that's state-sanctioned violence. Aren't libertarians always making the argument that there's more peace when there's less government? When there's fewer laws and regulations and bureaucrats waving their finger in your face? So they're just hoping we won't notice the facts of this case or the 
the very decent, heartfelt reaction that almost every American has toward it. They're also hoping you won't bother to look at the actual numbers. The Washington Post did a statistical breakdown of people killed by police in 2022. As you would imagine, almost all of them are male. But then you might be surprised by the racial breakdown of the people killed, and it was 1,066 people, Uh, 389 were white, 224 were black, 119 were Hispanic, and the rest were of unknown or other racial category. Of the people killed by police, 633 had a gun, 187 had a knife, 36 had another weapon, 41 were in a vehicle, 17 had a replica weapon, meaning they had a, that, that would appear to be a weapon, but, but turned out not to be one, and a, a total of 27 were unarmed. Now, those 27, that's a problem, but that's not 1,066 or an epidemic. But it's like this with everything. We talked about this the other day. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution did a survey recently of black voters after the elections in Georgia. Georgia is considered, that's the the Jim, Jim Crow 2.0 state, right? That's the voter suppression state, Stacey Abrams state. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution surveyed black voters. 73% said they had an excellent experience voting. 23% said they had a good experience voting. So 73 plus 23 is 96. 3% had a fair experience voting. And so fewer than 1% had a poor experience The 73% who said they had an excellent experience is exactly the number of white voters who also said they had an excellent experience voting. So 95, 96% of people had an excellent or good experience. There was no voter suppression. There may have been incidents of people that got confused, made a mistake, showed up with the wrong ID, but it wasn't systemic and it wasn't widespread and it didn't have an influence on the effect, on the uh, results. But we can't say that because we've already climbed the tower and, and climbed up on the position of white supremacy, voter suppression, Jim Crow 2.0, Jim Eagle, whatever he called it. That's the hardest thing about taking a position these days. People can't climb down from them. And it's the same thing here. Tyree Nichols' body is too good a platform for people that want to talk about white supremacy and the defunding of the police and the corruption of the Constitution and capitalism. We have to do away with capitalism. It's just, they. They shouldn't be using him. His family has said, don't use him. 
it's an interesting thing to watch them just refuse. So you can't really debate people like that because you can introduce facts and they're like children covering their ears going, wow, 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 I'm not listening to you. That's basically what you're doing or what they're doing. Now, I want to play this for you because I, I think he speaks for all of us and he says it with great passion. And he's not just another person with an opinion. Dan Bongino on Fox News this weekend, remember, is also a former New York City police officer and United States Secret Service agent. Here is his, I think, very um, from the gut reaction to Tyree Nichols. Cut number five. There was no effort to de-escalate this situation at all. It's almost as if they were looking for a fight. We're the conservatives. We're the libertarians out there. It's our job to defend everybody's God-given rights to assemble, petition their government, to speak, to bear arms, to defend themselves. But most importantly, their right to live. What'd this guy do? No one's come up for a, with a reason yet why Mr. Nichols was even pulled over. Well, reckless driving, what does that, what does that mean? Folks, we live in a republic. What we used to. We don't live in a street justice comic book like the Judge Dredd series. We don't do execution style hits in the street. This man deserved justice. He got none of it. What he got was a death sentence in the street. We're the conservatives, the lovers of liberty. We've always defended the good police officers out there. We don't deserve this either. They are that thin crust on a volcano you've heard about often in famous quotes. That thin crust on a volcano is secured by our police and our military overseas. That's what civilization is. This wasn't civilized. This was savagery. This was brutal savagery at that. This wasn't justice. This was a disgrace. This man's never going to take another breath of oxygen again. Over what? Reckless driving? Yeah. Um, I, I think he says it very well. I, I, I completely agree. I, 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 I think as I listen to him that if we really cared about law and order, rule of law, uh, you know, proper police procedure, um, we would not just throw our hands up and say defund the police. Because that will get us more of the kind of policing you see on that video. All right, so let's bring in producer Don Cooper as well, real quick on these two games yesterday. We thought two great games, you know, two great matchups, mm-hmm. and one of them was a great game. I mean, the the yep. Cincinnati Kansas City game was was epic. Yep. And and what a shame that it ended the way it did because, you know, I, I think you guys will agree that Cincinnati showed up and and you yep. know. They, they, they balled out and it was just one of those fluky mental errors that resulted in it not going to overtime where anything could have happened, but they didn't get that shot because of the Joseph Asai late hit on, yep. uh, on Mahomes. Other than that though, um, what can you say about Mahomes? I mean, one leg, you know, no Tyreek Hill <laughs> and the guy was just, he just had it. Well, I'll tell you this much in the wake of, 
you know, the way the game ended, the way things unfolded, I think in the future we're going to see many, many more playoff matchups between Burrow and Mahomes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is the this will be many, many sequels. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely matchup, so. absolutely so i hope that i mean cincinnati has nothing to be ashamed about or feel bad about they no. they showed up they gave a hell of a game they played good defense um but patrick mahomes is he's he's a special guy i mean he's just he's just in a kind of in a category of his own yeah he's he's different he kind of reminds me of a modern day brett Favre, except maybe a little better uh, I was going to say, you almost can't really, I, I feel like I can't compare him to anybody. You no, know, like, no. when a guy comes out of college and you say he's got an arm like Burrow or he's got an arm like Justin Herbert or you compare people to Brit, I don't say, I don't say anybody reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. No, he's one of a kind. He's just a different animal. He's got not only enough mobility to be mobile and a, a completely threatening arm. I mean, his arm can score from anywhere. On the field, like you said, without yeah. Tyreek Hill, he doesn't have that anymore. Yeah. I thought going into this year, well, maybe he comes back. Everybody down to thought earth he'd a take bit. a step back, but he no, didn't. no, he's just uh, he's got a sixth sense, Jack, and he just he's got it. He's got something. And he's a leader. He's a leader. A leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. He, yep. he, you, you, you would want to build a franchise around a guy like that. Don Cooper, you were saying to me off the air, and I know a lot of people probably did this. You know, you get so excited about that uh, Philadelphia-San Francisco game, yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden, San Francisco has no quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and it was like you, I couldn't bear to watch. I mean, it was it yeah. was a beatdown. Oh, I had to turn it off. Yeah, it, it it was sad. I I was expecting a little more, but I'm I'm kind of wondering if he's shown his colors. You think he did in that game? Who, basically, show who, uh, who pretty, showed his colors? Pretty. Forty uh, well, ers quarterback, as far as no, that, I mean that, he he, he was, completed all four of his passes yeah, before he got hurt. Yeah. But uh, that, I don't know what would have happened, but I mean, I think it would have at least been closer. I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was basically the quarterback in the second half. Sure, I mean, they had no quarterback. True. That is true. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. and that's almost a, it's almost a shame even for for the Eagles because I I would have loved to have seen you know I think you've said uh, a number of times, Christian, your concern about the Eagles was not being tested. So yeah. this would have been a test had it, they played a team with a quarterback. It was supposed to be. And, and I know I've sounded for much of the season like I'm taking things away from the Eagles, but it's been a, 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 it's, it's been a unicorn of a schedule. And in the NFC Championship, who has ever reached the NFC Championship game only to have to beat a third and fourth string mm-hmm. court? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've never but as that. I told a buddy of mine last night, I was like, "Well, he, and he's from Philadelphia." I was like, well, "Your cakewalk is officially over because Mahomes is not a fourth string quarterback." So. <laughs> All uh, right. So, by the way, just for anybody keeping track, um, uh, you guys, you guys did great, uh, Don. You were eight and four in your picks. Uh, Christian, you were seven and five in your picks. So, mm-hmm. very, very good, very solid, and we'll. Uh, Give it a little time before we pick the Super Bowl, but yep. right now I would have to say preliminarily this looks like a very, very close, tight matchup. Well, I think the Chiefs have a, a clear and decisive advantage at quarterback, but with the two defenses, it's like you know the Chiefs have never really been known for shutdown defense. You know, Philadelphia may have an edge there. Uh, yeah, it should be close. I'm not going to make a pick yet, though. I'll wait. So we'll wait and see what happens. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, because that was a heartbreak for for the Bengals and for their fans, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sports heartbreaks coming up here. Um, 
with your calls on KTSA. 210-599-5555. The, um, the discussion we had the other day about tips, uh, I got a lot of different emails, and um, uh, some some people were writing in about, uh, this is one from uh, Reagan. Enjoy your show. Recently had a segment on tips. There's a disturbing trend of restaurants charging a convenience fee to use a credit card to pay for your meal. It can add up to a few dollars. My beef is they don't tell you about it to give you a chance of paying cash or not. Later, when you look at your bill, you see this add-on charge. If servers tell you beforehand that there's a charge with a credit card, no problem. Not sure if this applies to a debit card. No signs posted at checkout. Just the idea that you will not notice it. I feel like we live in an economy where a lot of things are like that. Um, there's a lot of mystery fees on not only restaurant checks, but cable bills and medical invoices and everything else. And I think the key is that we get charged and they hope we don't notice or we don't look or we don't read the whole thing. And I, I guess increasingly people don't, right? That's why it's happening. Um, and then I had uh, people, a number of people, when we were talking about tipping, uh, said that day and in the emails afterwards, well, you know, when you go to Europe, you don't have to tip. And people said it's just so much better because when you go to Europe and you go to a restaurant, you pay at a terminal or a scanner on the table. You don't ask for your check, get the check, put down your card, waiter comes, picks up the card, goes and runs it. You've got to wait for him to bring it back. Then you sign. Why is that the way it is here? And, of course, there are chains that do that. I know that, like, Chili's does that and and a few other places that I've been to uh, do that, but they're mostly chain restaurants and not very many of them. So people were saying, why can't we have it, you know, that way? Why can't we have Apple Pay or Pay at the Table and not have to, you know, wait for the bill and, and all that stuff? Um, would you prefer that, do you think? Would that would that make a difference to you? Is that something you would? For me, would be less and less um, human interaction. Like, you know, want to scan and go, or QR and go, and um, isn't part of the going out experience like maybe the interaction with the server or the. Machine on the, um, or do you think we should keep it the way it is? And apparently, according to some of the people, the people are, are stunned that we give our credit and debit cards to a stranger who walks away with them. He says that wouldn't happen over there. We, we had a lot of reaction. I appreciate it to the tipping conversation we had last week about. When to tip? How much to tip? Is is there such a thing as are people being uh, bullied into tipping by all of these new, um, you know, electronic prompts when you pay? And people wrote to me and they said, um, "What about places that charge a quote unquote convenience fee if you pay with a credit or debit card?" And the gist of it was that they don't tell you; you just find out later. Um, 
that's weird to me because I, I know that there's an there's an expense associated with running your car. In other words, when businesses accept your debit or credit card, there isn't an above the line expense to them. But at the same time, as we know, everybody's moving in the direction of cashless transactions. There are now businesses that won't take cash, or like we talked about, the restaurant chains that are saying our drive throughs are going to be cashless. You have to use a card. So we can't have it both ways. We can't be telling people it's an inconvenience and we're going to charge you extra when you use a card, but then be moving in the direction of a cashless transaction, right? And and as the as Reagan points out in his email, you, you got to tell people, you got to be totally up front if there is a charge. That way they can choose how they want to pay. Then I start getting some emails from people saying, Oh man, it's better in Europe. And I, you know, right away I always think, really, you know, really? <laughs> All my life I've heard that, you know, oh, everything is better in Europe. But I guess in Europe, and I don't have a lot of travel experience. I, I really don't remember this from being there, but apparently, um, and maybe it wasn't true when I went, but now it is. Apparently the game over there is, um, you order from a person. But then you pay at the table, like with a tablet or a device on the table, and um, you don't wait for a check. You don't have them come back. There is no tipping, so that's not an issue. And some guy sent me an article where a person had been in Europe for two weeks and did every transaction, every single thing he bought, goods, services, food, he did with his Apple Watch and Apple Pay. Why can't we have that here? And so is that something that you would rather see? Uh, a lot of people don't want tipping anymore. Do you just want to take the human element out of it completely? 210-599-5555. Jeff is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey Jack. Yeah, I uh, normally I used to you know wait tables uh, like a lot of people, and I normally tip twenty is my base, and you know if it's good twenty you know thirty forty fifty percent, you know um, I usually like to do outrageous tips, and I like for the server to know you know they got a a, a good tip when they did, and when they when you use those little kiosks, they uh, a lot of times they don't even know what they got tipped by the individual table, and and once I I wrote a uh, you know, I usually have pretty good reports with the the uh, wait staff and and you know that way you'll they'll, you'll ask for them or they'll you know come you know want, want to take you when you come in and um i wrote a real good review and they never even saw it i asked me you see every you know you could over the outlandish review you know kind of right um over the top and but they didn't, they didn't even see it so uh what good is it i'm with you i want if i give them a good tip i want them to know and i want them to get it yeah, yeah. That way, you know, they knew that they did they did well for you, and then when, when you yeah. come in the next, that's what I always thought it was for. I thought that was the purpose of yeah. it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm with. I, I agree. I agree. And, I, and so I don't. I, I don't really understand why people are so attracted to this idea of paying a higher price, not leaving a tip, not having any interaction with a person, doing the whole thing electronically at the table. Unless you're just in a huge hurry, I don't. I don't see why. Don't we? Don't we go out to eat to be with other people? Right. When I see those things, I just turn them around, and so they don't have the light blaring at me, and you know, ignore those things. <laughs> exactly, you know? Jeff. Thanks for the call. I, I agree with you. I'm with you on that. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Jack at ktsa dot com. 
Andrea writes, I don't understand how businesses can charge a convenience fee when accepting credit cards from their customers. I'm in business in the agreements that I was forced to sign with MasterCard, Visa, American Express, all clearly state that as a merchant, I'm not allowed to charge the fees back to customers. I'm not understanding how they're allowed to get away with that. Yeah, I, I think you, at the very least, you, you, people need to know. I have been in businesses like there's a liquor store I've been to where they tell you when you go to pay, it'll be one price cash, it'll be one price card. I, I don't know why that is, but I'm okay with that as long as you tell me. And it's not a huge difference. It's a very small difference. Just you got to tell people. This whole thing, this whole mentality we have now of hiding things on bills, you know, like phone bills and, and cable bills are arcane. They're loaded with things. Nobody even knows what the, that, that is. That is just dishonest. You know, you can have the guy in the blue jacket running around putting a happy face on your cable company, but you're not my friend if you're hiding charges on your bill. Okay. 210 599 5555. George is on the radio. George, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Jack. Hey, George. I'm a first time caller and a regular, regular listener. Thank you. Um, just say about the tipping. Um, well, in, in Europe, they have a salary. So right. they, get, they don't get, we get paid $3 an right. hour. Right. So that, like, and they can't pass the, the, the incentive. No, not the incentive, but they can't pass off the, uh, the price of what the tip would be to the customer in their food. You know what I mean? Well, but if you're salarying employees, you're going to have to charge a price that supports those salaries. Yeah, and so it would be too high. That's why a latte is going to cost you a lot more there than it is here because the person making it is on a salary. That's why they tip. They tip because it kind of like incentivizes the, the, the server to bring right. the food quick right. or, you know, personality and, you know, it goes on. So what would that. be, if you were getting a salary, it didn't matter how many people you waited on or how many tables or how fast you went, what would be the incentive for for rendering good service? Well, just like a, like a, like a good job, you know, a good salary paid job. You know, you, you work every hour. You wouldn't mm-hmm. be like, you know, like shoot of the draw right now. You know, you're, you're there, but don't you think there are people when you work in a company where everybody gets a salary? Aren't there some people that work harder than others? Yes, and those are the ones. Aren't there some people that watch the clock or kind of you know do the bare minimum? I know there are for me. Every day, every hour, we watch that oh. clock and we watch come in. You know, so I just think you would in. see more of that. I think you'd see a little more of that in the restaurants if they were all on salary. But they, yeah, you would see that. You would see a happier, a happier uh, uh, worker. But you just can't do it. Not, not in, not, not in America. It's just weird. And as far as the credit card thing, uh, they, uh, like you were saying, uh, that they, they pass the, um, the, the, the fees that they pay. They're passing it to the customer. Yeah. So because they pay a credit card fee for, to have that service. So now mm-hmm. they're just passing it off to us, you know. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Well, I, gotta, I think you just gotta you gotta you gotta be upfront with people. You, you know, you, you gotta tell yeah, them beforehand. They can't find they can't get home and then find out. That just doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But that's what yeah. they're doing now. Anytime you you put a, a tax on a service, I mean, like as far as a a, um, a business, 
They just pass it on to the customer. Right. That's what they do. That's right. Economics 101. George, thanks for the call. I'm glad you called. I hope you will again, and appreciate your listening. Uh, best part of going to Europe, which I don't believe this is the best part of going to Europe. Good grief. Best part of going to Europe is being able to pay for your meal on a machine at the table. Uh, we in this country have to ask for the check, get the check, provide the card, wait, wait for them to pick up the card, get the receipt. Yeah, and while all that's happening, you're chatting with your friends or your date or your family. It's called human interaction. Um, but people were writing in to me saying, couldn't we have it where there's a terminal on the table, like a tablet or a device, you scan your card or you pay with a QR code, and um, you're done. You leave. You leave as soon as your meals, as soon as you're done eating, you leave. And they've been doing it for years, and we don't have it in this country, and foreigners wonder why, and Americans that travel abroad uh, wonder why. Yeah, you know, stuff like that is great until it stops working. Can I just point that out? I don't mean to be the old guy. I don't mean to be the Luddite anti-technology guy, but can I just, it's like, it's like, um, self-checkout. It's great, right? Until it freezes up and then the light starts blinking and it says, please uh, contact a uh, team member. And then all of a sudden it turns out you need a cashier anyway, right? So when the little machine doesn't work, uh, or you don't know how to do it, you're going to have to talk to a person anyway, so they're going to have to have somebody available to float around and and do that. And I don't know, I, I, I don't, as much of a, I don't know, antisocial person as I am, when I'm in a restaurant, I kind of enjoy asking the server's opinion about the food or the, the small talk or the interchanges. Like uh, Jeff was saying, it's a nice feeling to leave a bigger-than-usual tip that's a way of communicating to that person, hey, you made this great. I really enjoyed this. Um, I don't think, I, I, I respect that they do it differently in Europe. Great for Europe. I'm not sure it's better. It just sounds different. 210 599 And the places that do have it, like Olive Garden and Chili's, I mean, I guess they have it because they have hundreds of locations and they can amortize the cost of it over all those locations. But I don't know how likely you are going to find that at a mom-and-pop place or a, a local restaurant that has like two or three stores here in town. I don't know if that's something they're going to invest in or, or, or want to. So Steve is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Th- those things are expensive. And they are available, like you said, at Chili's. I was going to point that out, those little machines where you just take over to the table. When you're at the grocery store and you're doing the self-checkout and that little thing breaks down like you were talking about, I always I just envision SWAT dropping out of the roof, you know, up against the wall, <laughs> guns drawn. You know, it's just it's nerve-wracking. I don't, I don't go to the self-checkout for that reason because it, it's happened too much and I just don't do it. But the... Uh, the convenience fee that everyone's talking about on the credit card, there's a little bit of a revolution going on in the credit card industry that started before COVID, but it really, really ramped up before COVID. However, 
if if you're dealing with a restaurant and there's and they even print it on their convenience fee or they tell you it's a convenience fee, they can have their credit card privileges revoked for that. The proper terminology for it is a dual pricing structure. We are now implementing a dual pricing structure. This is your mm-hmm. credit card price and we have a discount for cash mm-hmm. if you wish yeah. to pay in cash. Yeah. But a lot of the salespeople that are selling this this new system or this new implementing this new process, they're telling their their retailers convenience fee, convenience fee. But if you say that to a customer yeah. and the customer complains to the credit card process yeah. or the credit card company, they can revoke your privileges. Yeah. And they Interesting. will. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, because uh, I think people are generally fair. They just want to know in advance. Tell me the terms. What is, what's the deal? And that way, if I if I really don't want to pay an extra buck, I'll I'll take out the cash. I couldn't agree with you more. And that is the way it is supposed to work. There should be yeah. signage at the front door, signage right. at the register, signage at the table. There you go. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Steven is on KTSA Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Steven. Hey, Jack, uh, long-time listener since uh, into the night, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Thank you. I, I, just, wanted to, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, I'm against uh, abolishing the tipping method. I think it's um, ingrained in our society, and it's something that, you know, I enjoy um, giving um, the waiters and waitresses, you know, uh, accolades through monetary means is, is right. something that we've had for years, and I and I enjoy it actually. And the the last thing, I, or the other thing, I wanted to mention is um, about seven to ten years ago, the credit card companies um, rewrote the bylaws that merchants can pass on the cost of the credit card fees or a portion of them to the customer. And but but they really didn't advertise it until merchants became savvy to it, and mm-hmm. that's why they're now allowed to charge. Up to 5% to the consumers. It's always something, though. You know, like during COVID, some places had a uh, COVID fee. And, um, you know, what will be next? Like, will we have, like, the freezing rain fee or the, you know, Spurs didn't make the playoff fee? Or, you know, I mean, just especially right now with the inflation, don't nickel and dime me. Just just be up front. You know, if if, if your prices went up as a restaurant because cheese costs more or bread costs more, just just be up front, put, put a higher price on your menu and I'll either pay it or I'll stay home. Right. hundred percent. Steven, Steven, thanks for the call. Uh, um, I'll tell you if I was going to say one thing and I, I wonder how it would, it would change if we had salaried, uh, wait staff, meaning they, they were getting all their money, you know, every, same amount, every, every paycheck, no matter what, no tips, no incentive for hustling or whatever. Because one thing I will complain about is there's a lot of places, and and this just happened to me last, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. You you get great service and attentive. They're interested in you until you get your food. And then it's like you're on another planet. Have you ever had that experience? You're... You feel like you are wearing the cloak of invisibility. They walk by, but they don't look. And if you're waiting for a straw or a refill on your tea, forget about it. I feel like maybe I should call the restaurant for my table and go, hey, I'd like to just let you know I'm at your restaurant. 
And I'd like to make a reservation for some service. Because what happened, right? They were great, but it's not over till we leave. It's not over just because the food came. I mean, yes, that's a big part of it. But at least one check back. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a high maintenance guy. I probably sound like one, but I'm not. Just one check back. Is everything good? Is everything to your liking? Can we get you anything else? And that's when I'm going to say extra napkins, refill. And then, and then, you know, okay, but just one, you know, it's like, it, it, it's like you've been ghosted. We got you, we got me, we got us, we got we, we got love to make. We got love to make. Tell me, tell me. You're probably hearing this for the first time. It's a brand new song from Mr. Motown. Smokey Robinson is doing a new album. Hasn't done one in a decade. Uh, it comes out this spring, and this is the first song off the album called If We Don't Have Each Other. Smokey Robinson, who will be 83 in a few weeks. Imagine he sounds so good. We'll hear more of that coming up a little bit later on. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. I sound like I'm 83. He doesn't. Um, we're talking about tipping and service and uh, whether the Europeans are right and we're wrong in the way they do it. Everything's better. They're so cool. Uh, I, the thing that made me laugh was the guy that said, the best thing about going to Europe was how they charge you at the restaurant. Like, what? Not the Eiffel Tower or London or Rome. The best thing was the billing at the restaurant? That's a hell of a vacation you had. Anyway, 210-599-5555. We'll talk about that. We're going to get your votes in on the uh, JR poll as well. Speaking of finances, um, we were talking the other day about cars, and we have a question today on the JR poll about electric cars or gas cars. Um. People are going into more and more debt to fund their car purchases, according to the latest consumer credit report from the Fed. Um, a dramatic spike in the amount of new car loans. Uh, in just one quarter, the average new car loan went from just over 38000 to 40155 a new record. New car loans are at record highs because new car prices have soared to all-time highs. And remember, this is before we get to the implementation of the all-EV fleet. Those prices will be higher still. Uh, the average interest rate on a new 60-month auto loan is now over 6.7%. It's doubled in the last two, uh, the last year and the highest it's been in 12 years. So we're going into deeper debt to buy cars. There's even a, a, an article I read today that says, and this is just crazy, repo companies can't hire people fast enough to keep up with all the repos on people that are defaulting on car loans. So it, it is a crazy economy. And um, it seems like we would not want to put more stress on it and on, on on ourselves. But we are being led by politicians that at every turn 
whether it's stoves, cars, are trying to do exactly that. And there is no consideration for anything they propose on how how you will be able to afford it or if you will be able to afford it. I suppose a really devious mind would say maybe they welcome news like I just shared with you. Maybe maybe they welcome people going into more and more debt and being more and more, you know, paycheck to paycheck. You know, when people are afraid, when people are kind of off balance, um they don't uh have as much time and energy to kind of protest stuff, question stuff. Uh, scrutinize what politicians are doing. You know, you're too busy just trying to keep your head above water. When you're, when you're doing that, you don't have time for anything else. Like, maybe they kind of like us this way, you know, barely surviving, you know, one, one paycheck away from ruin. And then anytime they promise us anything, like, yeah, we'll take it, bring it, you know, no, none of that sort of traditional American approach of, well, wait a minute, is there a string attached or, does the government have the right or the power to do that? I mean, if you keep us off balance, fewer and fewer people will ask the kind of questions we need more and more people asking, I would say. 210-599-5555. We're talking about the restaurant thing, the tipping, and Art is next on the radio. Art, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, and uh, thank you for what you do, sir. We really appreciate it. And uh, my comment is that, um, you know, when you go to the restaurant, I'd like to ask the waiter or server, Hey, can I get a quote or an estimate to see what my total bill is? Because, you know, we go to lunch, yeah, as a group, and everybody's yeah. paying different prices. Yeah. 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 And, and then uh, we're, we're kind of going down, hey, they charge us gratuity, you know, and, and then we're still tipping. And it's like, oh, man, right. Yeah. Because you're in a group. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a group. And we're like, hey, well, what did you order? Well, why did your bill come out to that? Mm. And why did you come out? We're comparing prices. And, and you look at your build, and it's it's all different, and it's just all kinds of fees and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's a game. It's like a game, you know. And I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to. That's not what I want to do when I want to go out to eat. I don't want to play a game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, sir. Appreciate having you. Doug is on KTSa Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Doug. Hey, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yes, sir. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. Also, I'm, I'm in the industry, and I'm surprised as many people don't like him as well. It's I understand it. I get it. I mean, from both angles, um, especially the older generation, of course. But it makes it a lot less personable, man. All of a sudden, just people. All of a sudden, your table's not there anymore. It's like what? I can even say I can even say goodbye. You know, <laughs> it's, it's well, kind of. I uh, mean, but is, so what you're saying though maybe is that the younger the customer, the more open to that they are. You know, like that's that'll be fine. So. That's what uh, yeah, I yeah. definitely think that. Um, and, and is that, um, from the standpoint of the business, is that, a, is that a big savings? Well, to be honest with you, man, we're getting rid of them. Um, they're actually not worth it in our, in our particular, we're not a Chili's or a, you know, or, um, you know, a, a roadhouse or anything like that, but uh-huh. we're big enough to try them and ultimately they end up, they break, you know, people leave their cars oh. all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, yeah, I can see it, that. It's yeah. interesting. But I will say this from the waiting table standpoint, I will say this though. It does kind of give the customers, uh, the reason I think of waiters like it is because when you go to pay out, it gives you like right off the bat, it kind of makes it easy. Here's 15%, here's 20%, yep. here's, and it basically starts at 20%. And a lot of people think yes. like 10% is normal now. And I think things have changed over the years. So it kind of gives a better idea of what the standard of tipping is, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, if I think there's no doubt. You're going to get more tips. If you do the math for people, obviously you're going to get more tips. I, I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, you could also I, do I, the I math on a paper receipt, right? Well, I think so, yeah. But uh, at the same time, like, why do, 
it's like, oh, oh, it's almost like they're being suggested a tip rather than like yeah. um, suggesting yeah. a lower tip for themselves. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. But I mean, that's true but, with uh, everything. It, I mean, look at businesses. Okay, Doug, thank you for the call. Um, I noticed businesses now, they don't ask you to review them. They ask you to give them a five-star review. Have you noticed that? You know, they, so, it, and, and I get it, and I know why, and, and, and you don't have to call and tell me, I know, but <laughs> what's the, if we're all given five-star reviews, then what's the point of the reviews, you know? And when I research businesses now, every business, if it's, if it's zero to five, every business is like 4.6, 4.8, 4.7. So I don't even know if that means anything anymore, you know? Um, every single one of these things that is the new hot idea, eventually we find a way to either get around it or ruin it. Like, like Doug was saying with the, the tabletop, uh, devices not working or people not knowing how to use them. I mean, yeah, that's. Sign of the times, right? Self-checkout. There's always at least one or two cashiers in the self-checkout area because they have to be there because somebody's going to have a question. Sometimes it's me. And you think to yourself, you know, it might just be easier if they were operating checkout lanes. Just saying. So were you surprised, uh, Christian? I, I'm seeing where NFL Network says that Kellen Moore has already been hired by the Chargers for offensive coordinator. Were you surprised he got hired so quickly? Uh, not really. I mean, he's statistically Dallas has had a pretty good offense. I think their issues were, well, it's, I don't want to get too into the weeds, but based on the stats and mm-hmm. what's happening with the Chargers and you kind of have some shake up here, but not over there. Yeah. Um, he should be way Justin Herbert at quarterback. I mean, if it's a passing game you want, then yeah. more is your guy. Yeah, is no, going to be no, balanced. I mean, certainly a good guy to work with. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he can get the whole thing together, but um, you know, good for him for getting back on his feet. There you go. All right, we're going to talk about sports heartbreaks coming up. We've got the poll results coming up at the end of the hour. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. President Biden today said that uh, we are not giving F sixteens to Ukraine. <laughs> Man, this is moving fast. It was Abrams tanks just a few days ago, F-16s. Uh, he says no. The Associated Press says our European allies are very much opposed. Remember, we had to twist their arms on the tanks. They're very much opposed to the F-16s. The Department of Defense, speaking, uh, person speaking anonymously, says there isn't an official position. We have not ruled out or in specific weapon systems. Um, I want to play this for you. This is uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, remember now that Mitt Romney has, whatever else he's been wrong about, has been right about Russia for years. And this is what he, he says we're doing, shipping all of these weapon systems to Ukraine. I want you to listen to what he says, and we're going to come back, and I want to get your, your, your take on this. Cut number six. Now, there's another reason that we uh, have interest in what's going on there, and that is because there's a nation, Russia, which is a geopolitical adversary. We're not at war with Russia, but they're an opponent. They actually have 1,500 nuclear warheads aimed at us. And we are, by virtue of supporting Ukraine in this, uh, this war, depleting and diminishing the Russian military which is aiming its weapons at us. So this is a good thing for our national security. And by the way, 
Russia is also China's only real ally. And so if we're concerned about China, weakening Russia is a very good thing. So Russia has nuclear weapons aimed at us, um, and we're making them use all their other stuff in Ukraine, but they will still have the nuclear weapons, right? I'm just trying to think this through. So if you deplete all of their non-nuclear capabilities, or you seriously deplete them, and you make this guy Putin more and more desperate, and he's getting heat from his side too. Remember, he's got people breathing down his neck who want to, you know, take him out. Like all despots, he's, he's clinging to power. Um, it could be what he's. It could be that that this is sort of like a Reagan thing where we're, you know, causing them to implode. But it's also possible that you just make them do something like they throw a Hail Mary pass of the nuclear variety. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mean any disrespect to Mitt Romney, but this seems like a very roundabout way to compete with Russia and China. And it almost sounded to me like we're doing all these weapons gifts. Let's invent a reason. Oh, we'll tell people it's to, you know, it, 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 it sounds like a made-up, after-we-did-it reason for doing it. But that's just my take. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Ukraine claims they are in talks for F-16s. The uh, Defense Department says no comment. Uh, Biden said absolutely not today. But who knows? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not sure he's the one making the decision. And then, um, according to the... Um, Articles I read, the European allies, the NATO allies really don't want to do that. I suppose, too, you got to wonder um, if you give everything to Ukraine and Ukraine becomes itself kind of a, a a regional power, who's to say who eventually gets... Con- it won't always be Zelensky. It won't always be um, a Ukrainian government. What if you wind up, what if Russia winds up winning in Ukraine, takes it over, erases the name Ukraine off the map, it's now that's just Russia. Don't they ha- now have all that? Uh, it, it doesn't seem well thought out. People have compared it to Lend-Lease. We were giving Lend-Lease stuff to Britain at the beginning of World War II before we got involved, and we were giving it because we weren't going to get involved. It was in lieu of fighting that war. And we were giving them World War I-era battleships and cargo ships, the Liberty ships that were just cargo ships. And then we were giving them outmoded munitions. And then we were also negotiating with Britain for 99-year leases in their possession so that we could have bases in the Caribbean and in the Pacific in the places they had or hoped to still have possessions. It, it, it is nothing like what we're doing with Ukraine. And Britain is an entirely different, you know, that's the special relationship, one of the oldest allies. It's not Ukraine. And Zelensky's not Churchill. I mean, I'm not putting him down, but come on. These are childish comparisons. And so what, Biden is FDR? <laughs> I mean, I can't even say that with a straight face, right? 
210-599-5555. So what do you think? I mean, we are really stepping it up. And I just keep wondering if there's an end game, if there's a plan. Maybe it's I'm not privy to it. I, w- I wouldn't be, I guess. But it doesn't sound like there is. It sounds like we're making this up as we go along. It, it's almost like we are um, impulse shopping. Like you, you just go to the store and you say, I'll walk around, see what looks good. When you're... When you're dealing in, in, in military strategy, you kind of have to have a shopping list and an objectives list and lines you won't cross and, you know, things you've got to, like guarantees, I'll, I'll do this for you, but I've got to have that. I've got to see this or I've got to see. We're not, we're not doing that. And I, and of course, under, in the background, lurking in the background of this whole thing, you keep, you almost forget, and then you remember, oh, yeah, and Hunter Biden and Burisma. It's like, oh, this is shadowy. Again, this is not. It's the Brits. We've got to help them. There are brothers and sisters and cousins. It's not It's not that. So F-16s, I, I don't know. It, how many movies and novels over the last... 30 years have been written where a terrorist gets an F-16 or a rogue regime gets our our top weapon or our secret bomber. Dale Brown and people like that, they've written scores of books about this stuff. And we're just turning it over, delivering it. It also, you know, you you can't help but think a little bit about the whole military-industrial complex. Like, okay, so every time we ship a system or a, or a, a bunch of our inventory over there, we now place an order to replace it over here. So we're, we're, we're consuming, we're using up hardware and equipment and technology as if we were at war without the war. So there's people making money off this. They don't care if it's a good idea or not. They don't care if it's strategically sound. They don't care about competing with Russia. They don't care about what will happen in 10 years or who will have control of these things in the future if if the worst happens and Ukraine collapses. They're just people getting paid for all this right now. So Joseph Asai hits Patrick Mahomes out of bounds late in the Chiefs-Bengals game yesterday and goes down in infamy. As one of those, uh, you know, what if moments, the poor guy was sobbing on the sidelines after the Bengals lost the AFC championship game 23 to 20 because that penalty moved Kansas City from probably having to kick a, 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 a very, very long field goal to kicking a very doable, like I think it was a 42 yard field goal, um, with a few seconds left. They made it, didn't go to overtime. Who's to say what would have happened in overtime, but, it, this is one of those things, if you're a Bengals fan, uh, you'll never forget it. What was your worst sports fan moment? If you're a sports fan, what was your most heartbreaking defeat, upset, defeat snatched from the jaws of victory? You know what I'm going to say, because you, you know about me. You know, you know where I'm from. You know what I'm going to say. I didn't have to think two seconds about this this morning. 
86 World Series, Game 6. It's the Red Sox and the Mets. We still have the curse of the Bambino for the Red Sox. It's it's in New York, it's the old Shea Stadium. And the Red Sox are leading the game 5-4 to four in the ninth inning. Here's the call with Vin Scully, cut number one. Tension mounts some more. With two out in the tenth, five-four Red Sox. Ray Knight at first, Kevin Mitchell at third. Two and two to Mookie Wilson. And it's going to go to the backstop. Here comes Mitchell to score the tying run, and Ray Knight is at second base. So they tie the game on a, a bad pitch from Bob Stanley, who was a, a real slug as a relief pitcher. We had him for years. And then the, then the play that is maybe the most iconic play of the 1980s in Major League Baseball. I mean, I guess Kirk Gibson's uh, home run for the Dodgers in 88 might be one too. But uh, if you're a baseball fan, you know where I'm going with this. It's the Bill Buckner moment. And here it is, cut number two. Can you believe this ball game at Shea? Oh, brother. So the winning run is at second base with two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first, behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. I was listening to this today, and I I still get chills. I'm getting them right now. I was on my hands and knees on the floor of my family living room as a as a 20 year old. Watch, just couldn't believe that play. Now that wasn't that was only game six, so it wasn't like they lost everything in that moment. But you know how it is when something like that happens. You kind of know the handwriting's on the wall, right? And they went on to lose in Game 7. So um, my worst sports fan moment would definitely be Game 6 of the 86 World Series. What would yours be? 210-599-5555. Don, you and I were talking today, and I remember this, and I'm sure you do too. You were, you were talking about the, uh, the Oilers mm-hmm. with Warren Moon. They're up, what was it? 35 to 3 30, or something? 32. Yeah, something like, yeah, 35 to 3, I believe. Yeah, they were 32. On the Bills. Mm-hmm. Bills are a, a, you know, Bills are a powerhouse team back then. I think they went to the Super Bowl that year. Uh, but here's the, here they are in the playoff game, and the Oilers lose that lead. Oh, it's heartbreak. Heartbreak. <laughs> Warren Moon was the quarterback at that time, too, in fact. Right, and I mean, he was, you know, this was like, this was probably, they were getting near the end of his window, you know, like, it was it was going to be now or never. And the thing about that game was that, if I remember correctly, they never, like, recovered from that, right? Like, the, the Oilers, it was it was some years later that they moved to Tennessee, but yeah, 96, it, it was like it was over. Mm-hmm. It was over at that point. Yeah, it was downhill all, all the way from from that point in time. That was probably the closest that they ever had an opportunity to go into the Super Bowl, and because uh, um, I was a big fan of the of the Warriors I was at too. that time. I was. I too. think that was ninety two. Yeah. I have the sound for that. Cut number eight. Let's listen. Slaughter in motion again, right to left. Moon looking to throw. Pump 
fakes, forced out to his left, now throws, touchdown! Touchdown! Haywood Jeffries on the catch! It's another touchdown, the Oilers have just decimated the Bills' defense. Oh, when it rains, it pours, don't it? You know, it's perhaps too soon with 9.20 to play in the third quarter for the clock to be a major factor, but with the Bills trailing by so many, it gives them less time to try to make a giant comeback in the ballgame. Reich is going to throw, setting up, looking deep down the left sideline, got Phoebe at the 10, at the 5, touchdown! The Buffalo Bills have scored three times in the space of four minutes and 31 seconds. I'll tell you, this game here is kind of a microcosm of the order's recent franchise history. Right back to throw, down the middle, touchdown! Andre Reed for the third straight time! The Bills a three-point lead at 38-35. to Montgomery says they're ready. He's got it back and down. He's got it up. And the kick is good. It's good with 12 seconds to play. And this one seems to be destined for overtime. It'll be 32 yards. Center of the field. Right to hold. Snap is back and down. Kick is up on the way. And the kick is good. And of all the losses in Oiler history, this has got to rank as the most devastating. They had a 32-point lead. And they saw it melt away. And I've forgotten, yeah, Frank Reich was the backup quarterback for mm-hmm. Buffalo, right? So it's almost like watching the, the Cincinnati game all over again. Oh, from yesterday. man. It's kind of a reminder. Oh, man, that, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the thing is with the Oilers, I mean, the, the, they, lo- they lost as a team, Buffalo won as a team. But, I mean, Joseph Asai is feeling like he single-handedly lost that game for the Bengals. I mean, that, whether that's fair or not, I'm sure that's how the poor guys feeling all right your worst sports fan moment your biggest heartbreak as a sports fan 210 599 5555 can i share another one so this is right up there uh the patriots perfect season undefeated hadn't been done since the dolphins in 72 they go into super bowl 42 with the new york giants i'm going to be honest we did not take the Giants as seriously as we should have. Did not take Eli Manning. It was kind of a goofball, as seriously as we should have. But this is the game with the helmet catch. The helmet catch. David Tyree, cut number three. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Inside the 25, and a timeout taken. Oh, my gosh. This ball's thrown, and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. And Eli, man, I don't know how he got out of there. I thought he was on the ground, and and then he came out of the pile and just slings it. That's a great catch by David Tyree. And now with 59 seconds left. The Giants needing a touchdown. The ball is at the New England 24. Pressing it against his helmet as he goes to the ground. Yeah. I mean, he had a defender. Dropping. He had a defender wrapped all around him. Uh, he had a guy wrapped all around him. Totally covered up. The other part of that uh, play or that sequence that people forget is that uh, Eli Manning had at least three or four Patriot defenders on, you know, hands on him. And somehow he just gets away. And he was not really known for being that, you know, Wiley or whatever, but in that moment he was. I, I have to give him credit. I've, I've never been a Eli Manning fan, but that was a big time play and a big time catch by David Tyree. The helmet catch. I'm in a quicksand and I'm starting to sing. 
Results from the JR poll coming up. And um, uh, some breaking news. We're just, just hearing this uh, for the first time just now. Um, we're learning of the uh, passing of actress Cindy Williams uh, from Laverne and Shirley. Uh, Cindy Williams was uh, 75 and uh, had been, uh, who played Shirley on Laverne and Shirley, had been, according to her family, uh, dealing with a brief illness, uh, starring alongside Penny Marshall in a very popular uh, 70s sitcom, Cindy Williams. Um, we'll remember her coming up. We're talking about, in, in light of the just heartbreaking ending to the Bengals-Chiefs game, um, what was your, as a sports fan, what was your worst sports heartbreak? And uh, Doug wrote in and is a uh, is a Cubs fan, and he was remembering, this was also a game six. In uh, 2003, the Cubs and the Marlins were in the National League Championship Series. This was the game where... I think it was the eighth inning or ninth inning. Cubs are up three nothing, I think, four nothing, something like that. And uh, a Marlins batter hits a fly ball that is deflected by a fan at Ridley. It extends the inning, a bunch of runs score, and the Cubs lose the game. That's the kind of thing, you know. If you lose from start to finish, that's one thing. If you, you know, if you're behind the whole way, that's one thing. The heartbreaks are when you just, you know, the the thing that couldn't possibly happen happens, right? Jeff is on KTSA. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jack. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing good. Mine is. I'm from Utah, so mine is the '98 Finals where Jordan hits the final shot in Game Six. Oh, I. Do you remember that the Jazz and the Bulls? They had some great. They they were great rivals. They had some great uh, games, but I do remember that. Although I guess you have to say at least it was Michael Jordan, right? Uh, well, I don't know if you want to count the shove. <laughs> I know, but I mean, like, I'm sorry. Like, if you're gonna get, you don't want to get beat by a scrub, right? That's true, and and they were close games. I mean, both that and the '99 yeah. series, they were both yeah. close. You know, it was all close series, so it was tough loss yeah yeah the jazz were so good for so long and uh, you're right that was a great great rivalry i do remember that jeff thank you uh sam is on ktsa hi sam hi hey um mine was um um cowboys and steelers in the super bowl and um Staubach hit uh, Jackie Smith in the end zone, and he dropped the ball. I'm trying to remember because um, that, that Staubach that goes back a ways. Do you remember? Um, God, do you remember what what year that was? Or well, it was because um, well, the Cowboys have know, played the Steelers more than once, right? Right, and um, but they they Staubach hit Jackie Smith, who was um, he had just signed on with the team. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a tight end, and um, Staubach hit him between the numbers. Yeah, and he dropped the ball oh. in the in the yeah. end zone. Yeah. 
And I, it's I almost remember, worse when you drop it. In, I mean, when you drop it on the on the on the playing field, you can say, "Well, I was trying to run with it, or I was trying to, you know, make a football move." When you're in the end zone, all you got to do is catch it. And he dropped it. Yeah, I think that was. I'm just looking it up here. I think that was 76. Um, and, and that, I think that, that was. Uh, does that sound right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I think. I think the Steelers had been in the Super Bowl like two or three years in a row. And, um, and I, I remember Tom Landry was going yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is, that would, you'd never forget that. That's a good one, Sam. Thank you, sir. Uh, Rick is on KTSA. Hi, Rick. Uh, good afternoon, Jack. You got a sports heartbreak for us? I hate to bring these I up, do, but you know. We've gone off the wall, but I'm going to enlighten you. It's current. Uh, I was wondering, uh, okay. <clears throat> I was wondering why your sportscaster saying it's the, uh, Super Bowl of two quarterbacks and it was stayed on the last two new show, uh, two to 30 minutes apart. I'm sorry. Say that again. I, I didn't follow you. Your KSTA sportscaster after your local news. Mm-hmm. Stated that the Super Bowl is the first time for two black quarterbacks to play in the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, right. Against yes. Yes. I don't understand. That's not a sports heartbreak, Rick. That's what we were calling about. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I apologize, then. Oh, no, you're not apologizing. You're trying to change the subject. You're not, you didn't make no, a mistake. A you, me, you're changing the subject. No, that's not a sports heartbreak. You're not you're not heartbroken because you heard something you didn't want to hear. I understand. I you know Rick, when I heard it, can I can I tell you something? Because I I'm, I'm going to indulge you because you're you're, you're changing my topic, but I'll indulge you. I'll, I'll say this: when I can you let me talk? Yes, sir. Thanks. When I heard it, I don't know why I don't know why we're saying that. I don't know what the the the, the need is to point that out. But I mean, it's the kind of thing that you know you look for a, an angle or a historical first. It doesn't seem like something that needs to be mentioned, but it doesn't offend me that that, that we're saying it. Is it really is it really putting you out to hear that, uh, Mr. Riccardi? No, it does not. And uh, all I want to say is uh, I just want to make a correction. You know, and I'm good with you and good with your uh, KTSA. We listen to you all the time. But what I mean, what, what, so what was the point of bringing it up? Then I'm not, I'm confused. I thought you were saying you you said it was a heartbreak to you to hear it. Okay, uh, it was a heartbreak as far as Jack is what they had stated. You know what I mean? But no, I don't know, I'm, I don't know I'm, what I'm you mean. That, I'm a person that can uh, be a level headed also as far as respect. Okay, I, I don't know, Rick. You've 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 spent a lot of time here. I'm not sure what we accomplished. It is factually true. It is historically a first. I I mm-hmm. guess you didn't like hearing it. Is that is that what I'm taking from this? Is that what you're saying? Is that why you called? Oh no, sir, uh, Mr. Riccardi, uh, Jack. I'm just. It was a. It was an inaccuracy, and I know. Why is I it inaccurate? Why is about. it inaccurate? There's not two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. What? Yes, there are. Patrick Mahomes and uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. 
They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not black. They're not black. They're a black quarterback. Uh huh. Okay. Okay, Rick. My apologetics, but I don't see the policy, sir. I see. Okay, Rick. Uh, I, I hope you feel better. I, I won't say I'm, since we talked last week about not saying things you don't mean, I won't say I'm glad you called. All right, we asked you on the JR poll, um, will you embrace electric cars or keep your gas-powered vehicle as long as possible? On the JR poll tonight, across all of our platforms, 93% said they'll keep a gas vehicle as long as possible. 7% will embrace electric. We'll talk uh, about this more as time goes on. This is going to be with us for quite a while. We'll have a new JR poll question tomorrow at 4 or any time at KTSA. Dot com. So I apologize we wasted way too much time with that loser, but obviously, yes, both quarterbacks are black. Whether that's worth mentioning or not, I guess, is up to you, but it's factually correct. I don't know where he was coming from. Um, so we're talking about uh, your worst sports fan moment or your worst heartbreak as a sports fan, and, and you know, it's this is one of those things that I realize n- non-sports fans don't really, maybe don't really get. Or appreciate. Um, I saw a really nice post uh, today on Facebook. A good friend of ours. Um, I'm not going to name her in case I, I, I want to respect her privacy. But um, she wrote, uh, growing up near Philly, it was always an Eagles game day at our house. My dad would make his signature hot wings. The sound of both my parents enthused and angry yells impressed in my memory. My dad, who died in 2005, unfortunately missed the 2018 Super Bowl win, but we got to commemorate it by laying and burying my mom's urn with an Eagles Super Bowl 52 pennant when we laid her to rest with my dad last year. I know it's silly and probably absurd, but the idea that my parents have gotten to enjoy an amazing Eagles season in their first season together in many years is bringing me comfort. The Eagles have been a bright spot in my grief, even though I'm swimming in a sea of Cowboys fans, and I appreciate my friends who have been gracious enough to deal with me this season. That's so well put. That's what being a sports fan is about. That's why we follow sports. And that's why we get our feelings hurt when stuff happens. I I will never forget Tom Brady's last game as a Patriot. It was the wild card with Tennessee, and here you have a guy that is maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, but throws a pick six on his final pass as a Patriot. Take a listen to this. How about this guy? Tom together. Boy, can it, can it really end? And when it does, Vrabel. How about playing the, just, just the thought that you come back to New England, the first ever coaching opportunity in the postseason and you could be the one to dethrone the dynasty to end it the two of them together is yes i mean it's we'll never see this run again jim brady's pass it's intercepted and returned for a touchdown by logan ryan the former patriot he throws it to a former teammate playing for a team coached by a former team i mean it's just it was sickening. It was horrible. And everybody knew, it hadn't been announced yet, but everybody knew, everybody knew 
that he wouldn't be coming back to the Patriots. So, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Martin's on the radio. Hi, Martin. Hey, Jack. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Trying to keep warm. I um, that. I guess the moment for me was quite a long time ago. I don't know if, if you would remember the year that uh, a guy by the name of Derek Cope won the Daytona 500. And the heartbreak was that on the last lap of the race, leading by a good margin and the car running perfect and he was going to win, was Dale Earnhardt. And um, he wound up running over something that cut one of his tires. And so he had to pull off. And, he, you know, in the very last part of the last lap of the race, he gets a cut tire and he has to pull off. And so he, he wound up losing. And wow. it was just, you know, every, everything had been going great for him the entire race. And, you know, the car was running as perfect as you can have it run. And then on the last half of the last lap, he runs over something that cuts one of his tires and takes it all away from him. <laughs> so, th- so Dale Earnhardt ran over the debris, and that let right. Derek Cope win the race. Yeah, wow. Right, right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's the kind of thing, when you're a fan, that's right. the kind of thing that just makes you, you know, shake your fist at the sky, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hear you. And yeah. I, that's the thing about sports. Like, that's a little thing, and yet it stayed with you. How many years ago was that? 30 years ago or something? It was a long time ago, right? Yeah, it was back in the 90s. Yeah, but it yeah. stays with you. I, and, I, you know, believe me, right. I feel you. I mean, if I could remember 86, you're okay to remember the 1990s. Martin, thank you for the call, <laughs> sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody that called in on this. We had a lot of great stories, a lot of great memories. I know they're not great memories, but it's great that you can remember them is what I'm saying. So, yeah, there you go. A lot of different sports, too. Baseball, football, NASCAR. Um, well, finally tonight, as I mentioned, we had a uh, we just had the breaking news a short time ago about the death of uh, actress Cindy Williams, who, along with uh, Penny Marshall, was on Laverne and Shirley. And that was really a groundbreaking sitcom when you think about it. Think of all the, the buddy comedies and Two Broke Girls, and there's so many shows that kind of grew out of that tree and out of that model. And um, I thought tonight we would leave you with a, a good memory, some laughs. So as we remember Cindy Williams, here's a moment from the sitcom Laverne and Shirley. And I'll see you back here tomorrow night. Laverne, you can drag your feet all you want to, but I'm going to this party and I'm going to meet some nice gentlemen. No, like Tad Shots, he's a conceited dork. No, not like Tad, some other nice society gentleman. A society gentleman would only go out with you for one reason, to have a good time, a few laughs, and a little votio do do I don't votio do do You votio do do I don't votio do do You votio. Once. I was going steady a whole year. I have a spotless reputation. <laughs> Ooh, I hate it when you make that sound. You did that on the bus the other day and that poor driver pulled over thinking he had a flat. <laughs> yeah. You make fun of everything, Laverne. Okay, say we go to this party and you meet this wonderful guy. You think he's gonna marry you? Stranger things have been known to happen. And I can marry anyone I please. You don't please that many people, Cheryl. <laughs> Mr. Wright will come along. 
But he may not come to this neighborhood. Sure, we work in a brewery. We date guys from the pizza bowl. Face it, we found our niche. But that doesn't necessarily have to be our niche, Laverne. It's like that song. Here's a niche song? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that song that Frank Sinatra sings, you know. Just what makes that little old ant think he can move that rubber tree plant? plant. Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, plant. but he's got what, Laverne? A hernia. <laughs> and I've got him too. And there is no reason on earth why Prince Charming cannot walk through our front door. Hello. 